0: Users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Out Live, we'll be featuring Peter Cohen, and you never know what he's going to say next, nor do I. It's unpredictable. A little bit later, Jeff Gamut of the Mac Observer, who admits he has not kept up with his favorite superhero shows,
1: so he'll get a spanking on the air. Yeah. Here's the thing about Jeff, Gene, is that he enjoys the spanking, so I don't think that's going to be punishment for him. More coming on the Tech Night Owl Live. Yeah! Yes, we're getting
0: raunchy here on the Tech Night Owl Live. This is a family radio show. We just haven't figured out which family, probably a very dysfunctional one. The Adams Family. da 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 No, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Because who cares anyway no somebody who's an Adams family fan or a monsters fan will come after us and point out how all our images of horror films was wrecked in the two or three years those shows were on i have no idea where we're talking about this maybe because we are immersed in malware meltdown and specter and why anyone would pick specter as the name of a virus or malware Well, maybe they were James Bond fans. Spectre. So what surprised me when we've started reading about this is suddenly it was Apple's problem.
1: Did you notice that? I did, Gene. It's very interesting. You know, Apple's damned if they do and damned if they don't in situations like this. They're very good at communicating with customers when there's an issue like this. They're not always good, but they, they can be very good, and they were very good this time. But because they were so forthcoming compared to everybody else, all of a sudden the headlines were, Apple admits all of its computers have this problem. Well, everybody else's did too. It's just that Apple was the only one who was actually forthcoming about it. And this coming on the heels, by the way, of the fiasco involving iPhone batteries when Apple was accused of holding back information. So like I said, damned if you do, damned if you don't.
0: Eventually, I guess they got the message, especially if you had an older Windows computer with an AMD processor and the darn thing was bricked. You certainly knew who was at fault there. That's right. Now, I did notice something strange with our Linux web servers. They use Intel Xeon processors. And we've gotten a few Intel-related files installed on it. And a couple of times, I had to restart the server. And the first time, the CPU load on that server went up a couple of times. Like, was really, really using a lot more processor power than normal. I mean, our sites were okay because we got dual Xeons on that box. But this was for about four or five days... Then yesterday, I log in and it says reboot the server. Now, when we reboot the server, it means our sites are offline for five or ten minutes till it restarts and everything loads again. So I went ahead and did it anyway. And when it came back on, the CPU load was back to normal. So I have a feeling here that some of these early fixes from Intel and other companies are probably a little bit bugged. Right now, like I said, the CPU load is just about normal for that box. So I think we're going to see that. Some of the first fixes are going to be problematic. Not from Apple so much. Although somebody said they had an iPhone 6 that ran slower when they installed the bug for Spectre. I think here we have to worry, I think, as to how a bug existed for 21 years, since 1997, and nobody thought or discovered it. We have all these hackers, I don't mean just the black hats, but white hats who check for security flaws, and they didn't discover this after all these years?
1: It's a little weird, isn't it? Yeah, that this problem has existed for a very long time, and it's it hasn't been uh, talked about or discovered until now. It is very strange, but I, I think that that we should probably back up a little bit and Explain to uh, our listeners who aren't in the know already what exactly is going on here. Do you think that that sounds like a good idea? We've mentioned it to some degree, but I think it's important
0: because we have a number of listeners who are not technology geeks like we are. They're just regular people, regular, normal people, and they need to understand the impact.
1: Meltdown and Spectre are um, these two malware exploits that that exploit these vulnerabilities, if you will, in uh, the the processors uh, that that computers and mobile devices use. And uh, under certain circumstances, a hacker using these tools um, can steal data that's on the, the computer that it normally ordinarily would not be able to because it's actually reading sections of memory in an unusual way one thing i want to emphasize to 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 everybody is that meltdown inspector aren't real problems for the vast majority of us this is deep Geekery that that hackers might use to exploit a vulnerable system to steal specific important data, maybe from financial systems or from government systems. It's not the sort of thing that a Russian or Chinese hacker is going to use to break into your computer. Specifically, It's the sort of thing that a state-sponsored uh, hacker might use to exploit a, a sensitive system that they actually need uh, to get information from. That doesn't mean that the problem isn't real. I just want to put it in context because a lot of times you hear about these things in the news. Oh, there's a new vulnerability discovered or there's a zero-day flaw in this app or this operating system or on this computer. And you think, oh, wow, you know, my computer is going to get hacked. The fact of the matter is, most of us aren't important enough to get hacked by these sort of things. Most people are, are flying below the radar, and, and Meltdown Inspector and are absolutely no different. These are really kind of uh, of of uh, obscure uh, problems for most people. So, Apple has actually updated um, uh, its its uh, its software um, operating systems to to, to to correct these problems, um, but uh, uh, more specifically, um, the 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 issues that that are being called meltdown and spectre are issues that apply to basically all modern computers, all modern processors, and almost all computing devices and operating systems that are in use today. So this is not unique to Apple in any stretch, by any stretch of the imagination. If you use a Windows PC, if you use an Android phone, uh, you've got the same vulnerability. Devices are affected, but there aren't actually any known exploits at this time. So there's nothing roaming around on the Internet that's actually using Meltdown Inspector to hack into people's computers. That part is really important to emphasize, because it goes back to what I was saying before. Your computer just probably isn't important enough for a hacker to potentially use this. But even if it were, there isn't anything in the wild, as security researchers say, um, that's taking advantage of it. So Apple and the other companies that have patched here are are, are trying to get ahead of this before it's a serious problem. Now, in Apple's case specifically, it's released mitigations. It's it's, it's made changes to iOS 11.2, mac os 10.13.2 and tvOS 11.2 in order to correct uh the problems associated with meltdown um and it's also released mitigations in the in the very latest versions of mac os um uh safari and ios uh to help defend against uh specter so if you're running the latest and greatest operating systems from Apple and the latest and greatest uh, app updates from Apple, you've got nothing to watch uh, to 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 worry about. What's more, if you're still running Sierra, so if you're running last year's operating system, you might have seen an update for Safari um, and also for El Capitan, the version before that, Safari 11.0.2, that corrects the Spectre problem as well. So th- this kind of goes to um, my belief anyway that you should always run the latest patches for any software that you're running to make sure that you protect against uh, against security issues. But just on background. Um, What's happening here is that meltdown and Spectre both take advantage of um, a uh, a modern uh, feature of, of CPUs called speculative execution.
0: We're going to speculate uh, more in our next segment. We have Peter Cohen, Jeff Gammon coming up a little bit later. This is the Tech Night Owl Live. <laughs>
3: That's why you need your own plan for self-reliance. That's where My Patriot Supply comes in.
0: So we're going to do some speculative execution here with Peter Cohen as he explains what's going on. And the other thing I want you to also explain to our listeners, with this particular bug, do you have to have physical access to a computer to take advantage of it? Or is this something that could be done online?
1: Yeah, this is something that requires physical access. So if it's it's not an online bug. Okay, so speculative execution. Okay, so speculative execution. It turns out uh, years ago, CPU uh, developers um, figured out that you can predict what path of a computing branch is most likely to be taken. The CPU can be taught to speculatively continue that execution down that path before the branch is even completed. So uh, I guess a... Uh, a real world analogy would be when you complete somebody else's sentence for them because you know what they're going to say. The CPU already knows, or it thinks anyway, that it knows how this information is going to be calculated. So it begins to process it ahead of time to try to get ahead of it, just to get the most horsepower out of each cycle that it can. If the prediction's wrong, then the speculative execution is rolled back. And all this is done on the CPU level. So this is all on the silicon level happening at the speed of light much faster than the software can actually even keep track of it. Meltdown and Spectre both use techniques that abuse the speculative execution process in modern um, CPUs to access a privileged area of memory, uh, including the core system kernel itself from a user process that shouldn't have access to that information. So, that, that's kind of a detailed explanation of, of what's going on here. And um, it, it sounds like science fiction, but it's actually really kind of cool stuff. So, again, Apple has updated iOS, macOS, and Safari uh, to help defend against Spectre. And for whatever it's worth, if you're using an Apple Watch, you don't have to worry about this stuff at all because the Apple Watch works a little bit differently. What about Apple TV? Yeah, Apple TV has been patched as well. So if you are running an Apple TV, an Apple TV 4 or later, the, the Apple TV 4th generation or the Apple TV 4K, you should make sure to upgrade to tvOS 11.2 um, to help defend against against meltdown, uh, or Apple TV isn't affected by by Spectre. tvOS, you know, basically now the Apple TV is kind of a dedicated purpose iOS device. So it, it runs a variation of iOS. And that's why... It's iOS 11.2 and tvOS 11.2. They're, they're basically variations on the same thing. Now, to make a point here also,
0: there was a statement from Intel that performance could be slowed down 5 to 30%. Now, on the Mac and iOS, it looks, for the most part, like there's very little change. I know a few of our readers at technightowl.com posted their benchmarks, and they were just differences were almost the differences you'd expect from running repeated benchmarks. Apple did say that one web Safari benchmark would be slowed by 2.5%, one benchmark. You wouldn't notice it. This is milliseconds. So it's not anything to be concerned about. I did see some benchmarks for recent Windows hardware. Now, essentially the same thing. The speed reduction was there, but not significant. I mean, some reported as high as 4%. So is was a little bit worse. I assume as they learn to optimize the fixes, it'll be okay for current hardware, maybe not so for slower hardware, older hardware, but maybe it won't make a difference. But in general, from what Peter just told you, if someone doesn't have access to your computer or your smartphone, then you don't have to worry about it. It might be simpler just to walk over to the owner of the smartphone, take out a knife or a gun and say, Give me your computer or your life and you know what you'll say.
1: Right, exactly. That's a very good point. So not something you need to worry about remotely and um, uh, applying the patches isn't going to slow down your machine dramatically. Where Intel is talking about the worst slowdowns is on an older uh, CPU running an older version of, uh, let's say, the Windows operating system. Uh, There there can be some significant impact to performance, but it's unfortunately par for, for course when you run older gear. One of the things that I mentioned was the versions of the operating system Systems that are, and the versions of Safari that Apple has patched, that leaves a a very large swath of, of Mac and iOS users potentially still affected by this. There's not a lot I don't think that Apple is going to do as far as they're concerned. You know, Apple only has an obligation to to patch uh, systems up to a certain point. And that's the same with Microsoft, too. And at some point or another, you know, they've got to say, all right, enough of our users are not using these systems or these operating systems anymore, um, that it's really not worth uh, the time that we would spend doing it to update it. That's a hard message to hear if you're using, let's say, a seven or eight-year-old computer and a seven or eight-year-old operating system. But you, you've got to admit that your stuff is older and you can't expect to run that stuff forever without, without issue.
0: And once again, the possibility someone's going to reach out and take access to your old computer is slim to none i would think it's more probable on the windows platform because you have a lot of businesses using older boxes and there there could be the danger but even then it's so slim you think somebody is just going to come to someone's office and demand access to all their computers or break in at night
1: Yeah, that's an IT problem, too. I mean, and you're right that there is an issue, certainly for enterprise IT, when they're talking about uh, management on older systems. You know, it, it is what it is. And that's why you have an IT staff to take care of those things.
0: And we hope they're earning their pay. Anyway, that's the CPU bug. We've heard of some other things. Of course, Apple had a couple of bugs where it would allow you to get root access without a password on Mac OS High Sierra and another bug where you could open your app store preferences without a password.
1: That, yeah. You know, Apple has been making some really dumb, just flat-out dumb security mistakes lately. I don't know what is going on with Apple QA, but High Sierra has not been their finest hour. That's for darn sure. Well, it looks like
0: they're trying to fix it.
1: Actually. I don't care if they're trying to fix it, Gene. Those problems, you should not be able to get root access Sure. Uh, without, without a good password to, to begin with. And I mean, one of the things that Apple did in recent years was they instituted this new architectural framework to the operating system called uh, System um, Integrity Protection, or SIP, which made macOS rootless precisely to avoid letting users who don't know what they're doing get root access to the system and screw things up. So to have that particular security flaw there is beyond idiotic. It flies in the face of what their core security system design has been doing for the last three years. It's just, oh God, I don't even get me started on that. You know, I kind of
0: think it's like the phenomenon where you see something – and you overlook the flaw like in a title for something which has your name and you don't realize your name has been misspelled, I think it's such a simple, obvious flaw that was overlooked because they look for complicated things. And I realize that's a stupid error, and whatever people in Apple's developer department were responsible have to be appropriately disciplined, and they have to take steps to fix it. At least they fixed it pretty quickly when this foolishness erupted, and we'll grant them that. The other problem, of course, is the throttling of iPhone performance to address failing batteries. I want to get into that a little bit more. We've mentioned it before, but it's an never-ending story here on the Tech Night Out Live.
11: You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
5: Message and data rates may apply. Oh my gosh, that's Frank Thomas. No. Yes, that's him. Go ahead. Excuse me, are you Frank Thomas?
13: Yes, I am.
5: I bet you get recognized a lot.
13: I was a pretty good ball player. You were? Some people thought so.
5: Sorry, we recognize you from those Nugenics
13: commercials. Oh yeah? That's great.
5: So does Nugenics really work?
13: Oh yeah, I really can feel the difference. My workouts are better and I feel a lot more energetic. I wish my husband would use Nugenics. It's so easy to get started. All you have to do is send one simple text. Text the word PRIME44 to two. 424 for a complimentary bottle of award-winning Nugenics, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC. Its unique man-boosting formula is powered by testophen, a patented key ingredient clinically researched to help a man feel stronger, leaner, more energetic, and more passionate. And you're going to like the difference too. Text PRIME44 to 42424 for a complimentary bottle of Nugenics. Samples are not available in stores. Text PRIME44 to 42424. Non-attorney paid
14: spokesperson. Call for Closure Protection Services now at 800 667 9035. 800 667 9035. That's 800 667 9035.
6: Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl, because you never know what's going to happen next.
0: So we have Peter Cohen, and I'm Gene Steinberg. And I'll remind you, the best way to support the show is for you to sign up for Tech Night Owl+. You get a version of the show free of the network ads with better quality audio for prices beginning at just $1.49 a week. That's less than I pay for a cup of coffee at the local convenience store. So that's where you go. Check plus.technightowl.com for instructions. So we have Peter Cohen here. And last time we talked to him, we did address this throttling problem which i call throttle gate and he doesn't like to use gate in connection with an alleged scandal
1: gene gate
0: peter gate all right so now we're attacking each other seriously speaking it looks like tim cook was engaging in a great amount of apologies the other day in this interview he did where he now mentions that once they get this next ios release out next month not only will you be able to check battery health It will explain that performance is being controlled. They should have done
1: in the first place. Which
0: they should have done in the first place, yes. But you'll have the power to click something and say, leave my performance alone. You'll have the power to turn it off. Leave Britney alone! Peter's having a meltdown. He's suffering from the meltdown bug. You hear him now?
1: There's a specter on my shoulder.
0: Something's on his shoulder. I have to make sure he doesn't wipe it off and it spills through the screen. But I realize Apple was stupid in the way it presented this because they're doing such a drastic thing to some people. Most people probably wouldn't have noticed, but they should have had like another sentence in the release notes saying performance may be reduced in order to preserve battery life.
1: Yeah, um, you know, in that in that interview, Tim said, "Well, we told people what we were doing when we released 10.2.1 and a lot of people raised their hand and said, "No, Tim, you didn't actually let us read the release notes back to you. You never said that you were going to throttle our performance. You just said that you had made this change for for devices that had wonky batteries." And and they're absolutely right. Apple undercommunicated this particular issue. They blew it. They blew this one big time. You know, to be honest with you, the $29 uh, uh, battery replacement charge, I think, is is bogus, too. I, I'm going to say that, that Apple should offer free battery replacements, no charge whatsoever. I don't think that that they should be charging anything for uh, for battery replacements for this, but that's just me. At least they're doing
0: the right thing. And the question I have here is, what are Android smartphone makers doing when they have failing batteries? Certainly, some of the same things could occur
1: there but they do nothing. Oh, well, I I don't care. I'm not an Android phone user, so I don't care what they do. And I don't think that 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 should really have any bearing on what Apple does or how Apple comports itself in situations like this.
0: In any case, it looks like it's going to be solved. What do they have now, like three dozen or four dozen class action lawsuits?
1: South Korea is after them, too. Look, it, Apple will ride this out. You know, it's I'm I'm not worried about uh, about Apple dealing with with the legal or fiduciary consequences of this. I'm more concerned with the bias confirmation that it offers to paranoid, uneducated, technically unsophisticated people who insist, despite a total lack of evidence to the contrary, that Big bad Apple or big bad whoever is making their devices worse in order to make them buy new stuff. That's my problem. The problem is that it feeds the cycle of uneducated, gibbering paranoia from the, the technically unsophisticated I've, I've had heart-to-heart discussions with uh, people in the tech business who should know better who still buy this this line that big bad apple is trying to force me to replace my iphone look anecdotally i have an iphone 6 plus i spent probably four months last year from probably late august straight through uh well yeah probably from august straight through december um uh trying to figure out why my iphone 6 plus my three-year-old iphone 6 plus was running like crap i tried everything to fix it and i couldn't i reset it i restored it i even went so far as to to nuke and pave it you know with a fresh copy of the operating system and not restore from a backup to see if there was some hidden process that that was causing me problems and nothing nothing that i did made any difference and I could not figure out. I just figured, all right, well, three years old, this thing is is getting junky. I'm probably going to have to budget for a new iPhone next year and just deal with this in the interim. Lo and behold, I come to find out after I installed CPU Dasher X, once the, you know, the Reddit threads and and, uh, the the other websites uh, posted their details about this particular throttling issue, to discover that my iPhone was running at 600 megahertz as opposed to 1.4 gigahertz, which is its, its. It's operating speed. Look, if, if my car is misfiring because an injector is clogged or because there's a fuel line problem, a check engine light comes on right? You know, it, it, it lets me know, hey, I'm having a problem. Maybe if if my car's good enough, it'll even throw up a code, an ODB2 code that I can use if I've got the factory service manual and say, oh, yeah, it's this problem. Okay, then I can bring it to my mechanic, or I can just bring it to my mechanic and he, he can troubleshoot it. But I've got that check engine light to let me know, hey, your car isn't running right, buddy, you better get it serviced. Apple didn't do that. Apple should have known better. When my MacBook Pro has a battery problem, it says service battery. It's been like that for a decade. Apple's got no excuse whatsoever not to do this. So the fact that they're doing this now or after the next version of iOS 11 gets released, that's really closing the the, the barn doors after the horse has already gotten out, in my opinion. I, I, don't, I don't say this too often, but I'm going to say this now. I hope whoever's watch this was was under, I hope whoever was responsible for this gets tossed out of Apple. I really hope they lose their job because this is just an embarrassing customer service disaster for them.
0: Well, I think also Tim Cook should not have said we already told our customers because obviously he didn't. And it's unfortunate, too, when reporters have the chance to interview Tim Cook, they're scared to death to ask a tough question, evidently. They're so happy or in awe of him to get that interview, that they won't say, no, sir, this wasn't explained. And this would have required very little research. You're supposed to research your questions before you ask them. And so if you bring the issue up, you say, you know what? It didn't clearly explain that you were adjusting performance. Two sentences, one sentence in those release notes saying performance may be reduced to optimize battery life
1: yeah look I, I can't uh i can't disagree with what you're saying i mean you know the, the tech journalism just in general, has gone downhill over the years. And, you know, it's Apple uh, uh, tech journalists, uh, you know, are, are famous for kind of softballing uh, Apple and not asking the tough questions. And it's, it's, it's all about access journalism, right? Um, a company like Ax- Apple c- tightly controls the flow of information to journalists and can easily shut out uh, journalists who ask questions that make them uncomfortable or ask them questions that they don't want to answer. Um, so, And, and uh, this access journalism isn't unique to Apple by any stretch of the imagination or the tech market. This is how it works. Uh, But yeah, you know, a a journalist who who goes in eyes wide open, uh, well-prepared with an understanding of what the problem is um, and a a good understanding of of how to answer the question or ask the questions and, and, and how to respond to the answers would not have let Tim Cook get away with this. I cannot disagree with you. Having said that, what you're also talking about is a little bit of um, uh, l'esprit d'escalier, if you will. You know, the uh, uh, you know the things that you wish that you had said um, when you had the opportunity to say them. Um, and also a little bit of armchair quarterbacking. It's really easy, Gene, for you and I to criticize um, the the reporter for not asking that question. Now, would we have had the presence of mind to do it um, uh, if if we were interviewing Tim Cook? You know what? I can't answer that question, um, and I don't necessarily think it's it's fair for me to criticize somebody, uh, you know, w- without um, knowing how I would have reacted under those circumstances too.
0: We've got more to come on the Tech Night Owl live. <laughs>
4: Are you happy washing your hands with harsh chemicals? Are you happy doing laundry with detergents? Are you happy paying high prices? Find your happiness with Pure Soap. These all-natural, Earth-friendly Pure Soaps are the very best you've ever used. Buy in bulk. Get a 12, 36, or 48-month supply. Or get items individually and still save big. You're getting soap products twice as good as what you're using now. Earth-friendly and natural soaps. Your family deserves the best. Happiness is 5starsoap.com. Why not put your money up the drain for a change? See them at 5starsoap.com or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog. Cal Bend Soap Company can save you thousands of dollars and give you good old-fashioned real soaps that are triple concentrated. Soaps made from vegetable and coconut oils. See their full selection of soaps at 5starsoap.com. That's f i v e starsoapcom or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog.
17: Looking for that edge during those intimate moments?
6: know what's going to happen next well here's the tech night owl live with gene steinberg
0: i'm with peter cohen a little bit later we'll have jeff gamut And we're talking here about coverage of Apple very briefly, which is in a situation where you need to ask a follow-up question. Would you know to ask it? Because especially if you're in a live situation. And the answer is here, I listen back to all the shows that I do. We've been doing the Tech Night Out Live now for 15 years, going on 16. We've been doing my paranormal radio show, The Paracast, for nearly 12 years now. And sometimes I'll listen back and say gosh, I should have asked this follow-up because you're never perfect. The problem here is not whether any individual question should have been asked, but whether any proper follow-up question should be asked. You can forgive missing one or two, but what about all of them? You're just asking there, you're sitting in awe and moving the conversation along, but you're not asking proper questions. And that was kind of an obvious one, but as you say, we can't be the Monday morning quarterback. Maybe Under those circumstances, I would have forgotten to ask the question, too. But I also think Apple can't really lose in being hit with a question that's difficult. And the reason is that Tim Cook's a smart guy. There's no question you can ask him or Phil Schiller or any of those executives that they are incapable of answering. They might couch it in corporate spin and you might have to go back a couple of times, but... I have no problem with their abilities to respond to hard questions. In fact, it might be a nice thing, a nice refreshing change. I mean, in some ways, Apple's more open now than it used to be.
1: Absolutely. They definitely are. But I think here,
0: Tim Cook should just say, ask me anything. How can an executive that smart be buffaloed by any question? He knows how to spin it.
1: I'm not suggesting that, that that Tim Cook isn't prepared to answer anything that's a, that's asked to him. What I'm saying is that, you know, Apple especially and other companies have a very well-established pattern of locking out journalists who ask the wrong questions or ask questions that don't want to be answered. Access journalism is very, very real. It's not just that. As I said,
0: I think it's a foolish policy because I think People eventually just say, oh, he's repeating the same corporate spiel. I mean, you read five interviews from Tim Cook and you see the same words being used and repeated. So you have to say, all right, I heard that. I don't listen to his interviews anymore. I just will read maybe the summaries in one of the blogs because I know that he's going to answer the questions in the same way every time. There's nobody giving a different interview. I think in the end, it wouldn't hurt Apple to be a little more forthcoming and not to shut out journalists. Say, okay, you're a tough guy. Fine. Ask away. I don't care. This I'm happy to do it. That's all. I'm happy to do it. And leave it be, whatever happens, happens, because they have to have the confidence that these executives know how to handle themselves. And I think these guys do and these gals do. That's why I think it's a policy that you expect to happen. It also happens by the way, with mainstream journalism and coverage of politicians. And it happens with all the networks. It's not Mm -hmm. just liberal conservative Fox News versus MSNBC. You see that where they'll interview a politician and they ask a question. The politician will generally repeat their spiel with all their catchphrases and all the battle-tested talking points. But very few will say, Excuse me, sir. That's not correct. This is why. I hear it occasionally, okay? I hear it occasionally, but not very often, and it's the same problem. You are afraid that if you question or challenge that political figure, you lose access.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Access journalism. And that's what makes
0: it really unfortunate. I understand with commercial companies and their only obligation is to their stockholders and they can do what they want. But if you're answerable to the public, that's a different thing. Tim Cook is not answerable to the public. He's answerable to the board of directors. And if they choose to keep him on as Apple's CEO and he's doing well, that's it. if they choose to block out a journalist because that journalist asks the wrong questions, that's what they'll do. Agreed. Anyway, you've heard these reports here pro and con, that iPhone X sales may or may not have been what Apple expected. What have you heard?
1: Well, I I don't have any particular inside track or insight to this that um, is different from from what you've been uh, reading elsewhere. I tend to take these reports with um, a large grain of salt because for one thing, the iPhone 10 is only one of the new iPhones that was released this year. And by all other accounts, the iPhone 8 and 8 Plus are selling like gangbusters and doing very well. Um, I think that that the iPhone 10, in some ways, is a little bit like the MacBook, not the Retina MacBook Pro, but the MacBook in Apple's product line, in that it is a showcase of uh, for what is yet to come from Apple it's it's an it's an early test model showing you what all iPhones are going to be like a year or two from now um, as opposed to this year's must-have model uh, Apple certainly not uh, is sparing any expense when it comes to marketing the iPhone 10 it doesn't seem like I can watch a single primetime uh, uh, prime time, uh program on on television without seeing an iPhone 10 ad uh, at some point during its broadcast so they're certainly spending and I you know I see the the the, the magazine ads and uh, and elsewhere as well so Apple is certainly doing its part to get the word out but the iPhone 10 is also a premium iPhone it's not available at the same price point um, that the iPhone 8 or the iPhone 7 are at um, and you know people as as sophisticated as the iPhone 10 is and as cool as the technology is, I don't necessarily think that Face ID um, or, you know, the the, the higher res screen or any of the other features that make the iPhone X unique are killer apps, if you will, are are things that would absolutely make you want the iPhone X exclusive to any other iPhone. So, the other thing is Apple hasn't given us any any expectations or any projections of what it thinks iPhone X sales are supposed to be. So all of this is coming, is is inferred from reports that the vendors who make the sub-assemblies that make the iPhone 10 have been told by Apple to throttle back uh, their supply because Apple has too many. This is a dangerous path to take because uh, they that that, that that isn't necessarily the case. Apple may have reasons for trying to tighten up its supply line a little bit. And Apple is a master of its supply line. Apple manages its supply line better than almost any other consumer tech, really better than any other consumer tech company on the planet. Um, so uh, we, we can only infer so much uh, from what we know. And I, I, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm apologizing for Apple for iPhone 10 sales. I just don't necessarily buy the hype when I read that iPhone 10 sales are off. I don't really see a lot of iPhone 10 uh, devices in the wild when I go out and see people using iPhones. I've certainly seen a few of them, uh, but most of us are quite content with the iPhones that we've picked up in the last couple of years. Uh, and that, and quite frankly, it's almost impossible to tell an iPhone 8 from an iPhone 7 or even an iPhone 6 because the form factor is almost identical in either case. Um, so it, it, it really isn't clear to me who's using which phone unless they are using an iPhone 10 and they stick out. I, I think that, you know, the iPhone, you know, 10s or iPhone 9 or whatever, you know, they're going to continue this dual form factor concept for a few more years uh, until they reconsolidate it, um, or at least very, very much at least this year, uh, if not if not the year after. So we're going to see the iPhone 10 continue to exist as a premium product, uh, but Apple's not having a problem selling phones. That's for darn sure.
0: Now I did notice here that it seems that the Plus models are becoming more popular. And I can see the advantage. I think they cost $100 more. But even though they're pretty hefty beasts in terms of the size and everything and the convenience, on a monthly basis, if you sign up for one of these AT&T Next plans or whatever the other companies have, you're paying, what, $3 more for the phone a month, or maybe even less, $2 for the phone a month. So you say, yeah, I'll get the bigger phone. What the heck? It's got the dual cameras and all that stuff. And you're seeing that. And there's speculation here that the big thing may be an iPhone 10 Plus. Because with the notch and everything, the screen does not appear to be that much larger. And the basic form factor is similar in size to the iPhone 8. But if there is a bigger model with a screen of, what, six and a half inches, That may be the real killer product, depending on what the retail price ends up being. We have Peter Cohen, outspoken commentator. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live.
11: Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today.
2: That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com.
17: Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I'm here to tell you about gcntelecare.com, dot com, a team of board-certified doctors assisting you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year within 15 minutes of registration care your family can afford revolutionizing the healthcare industry virtual consulting providing diagnosis of non-emergency medical issues by phone or secure video on computer or smart mobile devices gcntelecare.com virtual care anywhere a
18: lot can happen in six seconds a rodeo ride a dramatic basketball win and the world record holder can solve a rubik's cube Six seconds is how long it takes for an 18-wheeler traveling at a safe speed to come to a complete stop. And in those six seconds, that truck will travel the length of two football fields. So please, give them room. Never cut in front of a large truck for any reason. Our roads, our responsibility. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov.
10: Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
0: We continue with Peter Cohen. What's your perception here about iPhone sales? Do you see the growing emphasis on the plus size models?
1: Well, I talked about iPhone sales in general in our last segment, but regarding the Plus model specifically, I'm a Plus user. I've been a Plus user now for three years, um, and I'm not really in a hurry to go back. Having said that, one thing that people need to remember when it comes to the iPhone 10 is even though the iPhone 10 is physically smaller than the iPhone 8 Plus, It's actually much higher resolution than the iPhone 8 Plus is. So even though the the screen dimensions may be smaller, uh, you're cramming a lot more onto the screen than you could before. Now, for my middle-aged eyes, that's not necessarily the best combination. I actually like the iPhone 6 Plus that I'm using and and its larger screen because it's easier for me to see what I'm doing than on a smaller device. Now, you know, that's got some trade-offs. It's not as easy to pocket the iPhone 6 Plus as, as it is for... Uh, the regular six or the seven or the, the eight and their plus variants. Um, uh, it's not as easy to get my thumb across, you know, although Apple obviously has accommodations to let you do that. So, you know, there's some downsides to having the plus size. There, there are some upsides. I can say just anecdotally, I see a lot more plus size devices out in the world, whether it's, you know, a Samsung Galaxy that's a larger device or an HTC that's a larger device or and, and most of the time it's an iPhone. So I think think a lot more people are using Plus models than ever before. I I think it's inevitable that Apple is going to release an iPhone X variant that has a larger physical screen than the standard model does. But um, comparing Apples to Apples, no pun intended, it reminds me a little bit of when Apple discontinued the 17-inch MacBook Pro and didn't replace it with a 17-inch Retina MacBook Pro. And their excuse for doing it was, hey, the 15-inch Retina MacBook Pro has much higher resolution than uh, the 17-inch MacBook Pro did. I was a 17-inch MacBook Pro user, and my first reaction was, well, that stinks. I really wanted the bigger screen. Then I actually used the Retina MacBook Pro 15-inch, and I never went back to a 17-inch model. You know, I, I think the, the, in that respect, the iPhone 10 screen is a little bit of an acquired taste. Once you use it, once you see it, you realize, hey, wow, even though this device is smaller than the iPhone 8 Plus, it looks a lot better, because that screen really does. Um, having said that, if money were no object and I were in the market for a new iPhone today and I, an iPhone 10 plus were available, oh, yeah, that would be the, the one that I would want. Definitely.
0: Now, in my particular case, I need to see the iPhone lettering. And I'm in a situation here where I'm a somewhat older guy. To me, Peter Cohen is a young whipper snapper, And I'm going to snap that whip if he misbehaves. And <laughs> that's a bad joke. I stole it from Steve Allen. I wear contact lenses, and with contact lenses, I get 20, 20, 20, 25 vision, which is pretty good. But I still need to wear reading glasses. I'm doing right right now. I have reading glasses on while I'm doing the show. And the reason is the lettering on the screen is blurry. I could read it, but it's a little bit blurry. And in terms of iPhone use, if I'm doing what they call ride hailing, you know, Lyft or Uber, that kind of work it's easier for me to see the larger iPhone doing that work because I have to watch the navigation screen. Mostly I listen to it, but I have to watch the navigation. It's doing turn-by-turn navigation to get you from one place to another. So for me, the larger lettering makes a lot of sense. Obviously, if I had the money and we had an iPhone Ten Plus out there, then that would be the sweet spot. That would be perfect but then I have to have the money for it. I guess I can deduct it as a business expense, of course, but there you go. Mm-hmm. That's my explanation. It doesn't mean anything. Peter, have you been following the announcement from Apple about what's doing when it's going to repatriate its money and all the other changes that are going to come because of the tax cut?
1: Sure, yeah. Apple's among a lot of companies that are taking advantage of the new tax law. Now, I should mention a couple
0: of Things here where some companies pulled PR stunts, and I'll give you a couple of examples. We have, for example, AT&T. Before Christmas, they announced $1,000 bonuses to their employees. It turned out that this was something arranged already with the communications workers union, and they still fired 2,000 people. They gave them bricks for Christmas, just before Christmas, you, get, you lose your job. Walmart announces at the minimum Wage they'll pay employees in the US will be $11 an hour. And you have to think here, by the way, if the minimum wage increased from 1965 by the cost of living, it would be $18 an hour today. So something got screwed up. Okay, so Walmart says $11 an hour. And when you look at the fine print, you realize that in one third of the states, the minimum wage has increased to at least $10 an hour. It's 1050 in Arizona. So they're only paying you a little bit more in many of those and states.
1: In my home state, it's $11 an hour already. So thanks for nothing, Walmart.
0: Worse, 10% or 63 Sam's Club discount warehouse stores that's owned by Walmart, they shut down almost immediately with very, very little notice to employees, including four in Arizona. So it's they giveth and they taketh away. That's what I didn't like, where companies kind of do the double cross on you, where they announce something that's good, but then you look at the fine print and people get fired or the raises are not what they seem to be. Like you say, in Massachusetts, it's $11 an hour. In some states, it's higher. So I assume in those states, they will pay more than $11, but would still be minimum wage. It'll still be what you get if you work at Burger King. Okay, Apple. Apple doesn't appear to be doing anything like that, though
1: no yeah let's not conflate what uh, other companies are doing in their crappy behavior with what Apple plans to do Apple has been for a number of years now Apple has been advocating that the federal government change corporate tax law um, to enable it to repatriate and, you know Tim Cook has been very upfront about this he said look we've got billions stored offshore because we can't bring it back into the country because if we do we're going to pay and it's an onerous tax burden you guys have to do something to, to make this change so whether you like or lump the tax law that that Congress passed and and Trump signed into law last year, it does give Apple the opportunity um, to bring a lot more money into the, back into the country that is kept offshore um, all this time, and it's something to the tune of about thirty eight billion in tax payments. It's going to make on its overseas cash to bring that in now. Apple is also, has also announced as part of that that, that it, it's got a five-year expansion plan involving building a new corporate campus, a second corporate campus, in addition to that Stargate that they just opened up uh, in Cupertino, and that they're going to be investing about $30 billion uh, in U.S. investments. So this is a big deal. This is a lot of money that Apple is planning on, um, on bringing back into the U.S. and spending as a direct result of this tax bill. So I I think that 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 is a good thing. Now, the $38 billion that um, it's it's planning on paying in taxes, um, Apple has a quarter of a trillion dollars stored overseas. So it's not bringing all that back. It's leaving a lot of it offshore for now. Um, And Apple has also uh, issued about Almost 100 billion. It's, I think, about 97 billion in debt uh, to pay for previous um, share buybacks and dividends. So, uh, some investors are 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 thinking that this new investment plan, this five-year plan that Apple has announced, is actually going to give the company uh, the ability to make more stock buybacks um, and pay dividends um, uh, with with without uh, a lot of pushback from investors. So we'll we'll see what happens, but uh, it still seems to be very much in play at this point.
0: Also, there will be these restricted stock options, $2,500 worth for employees below the board level. Yes, yeah. That's a nice Christmas bonus, especially Apple stock, you know, which had surpassed $180. I and remember, have... Apple has split stock over the years like a zillion times.
1: I also want to point out something. Uh, dude, Trump, in typical Trump fashion, and not to get too political, but, you know, he's claiming credit for, for Apple's decision here.
0: Please don't forget the best way to support the Tech Night Owl Live is with Tech Night Owl Plus, where you get a version of the show free of the network ads for a low subscription rate. Check plus.technightowl.com. More to come with Peter Cohen and Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Owl Live.
14: Call for Closure Protection Services now at 800 667 9035. 800 667 9035. That's 800 667 9035.
12: we'd
10: like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at owl.com. That's news at techniteowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at com slash radio. That's com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes.
0: So as we are in our final segment here, Peter mentions, of course, that Trump takes credit for everything. But you see also, here's where we forget. They had a repatriation program during the George W. Bush administration, like 2005 or something like that, where companies could bring back their overseas money and pay even a lower tax rate. Now it's 15 and percent. But then it was even lower. And most of the companies who brought back money used it for stock buybacks and dividends. So this time you wonder what percentage of what a company gets from repatriation and from paying lower taxes will go into investment in the company and what will be allocated for stockholders
1: yeah and uh, you know th- there's no way to to know that for now. The point that I was making before the break is is like i said it you know trump took took credit for it um as as he has wont to do but when ABC News interviewed Tim Cook, he gave a very different response. He said there are parts of this plan and this repatriation that are a direct result of the tax reform. And, you know, he's talking about the repeat repatriation, obviously. But there's also large parts of this expansion plan that he's talking about that they would have done anyway. So the, the, the whole thing isn't rosy because of this tax plan. But I have very little doubt that a big reason why Apple's bringing back or so much of its overseas uh, uh cash is, is, is precisely because of the tax reform bill. So we'll see what happens. Now, of that new spending that Apple is planning, uh, a lot of it has to do with, with building out data centers for its services. Uh, you know, iCloud, the App Store and Apple Music have become increasingly important to Apple's bottom line. And it's already got data centers spread across uh, seven states. So uh, it's planning on building new data centers. It's planning on building out the data centers that it has. Uh, it's also planning on making more investments in Asia uh, to help tooling for its uh, the, the the contract manufacturers that make the uh, the raw components that that Apple uses in its devices. So it, there's a lot going on with Apple right now. That's a, that's a, that's a result of that tax plan, and that's also a result of just its continuing. Business operations.
0: And remember, here, a lot of that is what Apple would have done anyway because they need to make that expansion. Like, for example, I am now about eight minutes' drive from an Apple data center in Mesa, Arizona. All right?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of data centers in
0: Arizona. Right. So I can just go over there and watch from a distance through the security gates or whatever the heck they have over there. But seriously speaking, This is expansion they had to do. Obviously, a tax cut helps them do it better or faster. But once again, you have to separate what Apple would have done, which is at least part of this, with what they're doing to take advantage of this extra money. And that's something to be judged. At least Apple is not letting people go. They promised they'll be hiring 20,000 people. So Apple is at least expanding in nice ways if they build more a plant here that might be something but don't expect apple suddenly going to build iphones in the united states we know foxconn is supposed to set up a plant in wisconsin but foxconn has said things like that before it never happens they're going to build a plant but that i think is going to be for flat panel displays for tv sets it's not going to be to build iPhones and iPads and Macs, except the course for the Mac Pro, I guess. Well,
1: specifically what Apple said was that the new campus, um, they haven't said where the campus is going to be, and they haven't said how big it's going to be. What they did say that it's going to house tech support, uh, customer tech support, and that it'll announce the location later this year. Now, Apple already has, let's see, I, I think two... Facilities. Two main facilities where it offers customer service and tech support um, here in the states. There's one in Austin, Texas, um, and there's there's another one I think in Elk Grove, California. This would be uh, a third one. Apple's owns its own data centers in several states spread across the country. Uh, it's got one in North Carolina, in addition to to the to uh, the the Mesa one that you were talking about. Um, it's got one in Nevada. Oregon, I think, and there's another one I think that they're building in the Midwest someplace. I'm not sure where. Uh, and they also lease data center space um, uh, from companies that, that offer data center services. So uh, this may be uh, you know, trying to consolidate um, some of the leasing that they're doing in-house with, the, with their own projects. Apple also tends to be very cautious with the way that it builds these things out. They try to maintain a zero-carbon footprint, for example, so they rely on the available uh, renewable power wherever they can, uh, solar panel arrays, uh, wind, hydroelectric, and so on. So uh, it'll be very interesting to see see where they build this out and how they build it and what ultimately they do. But the good news is if, if you're accustomed to, you know, calling up Apple and, and speaking with somebody, you know, comfortably who understands American vernacular and, and can can talk comfortably to you, that should continue. You know, Apple isn't planning on, on uh, housing uh, customer service agents overseas anytime soon.
0: But so many companies do, you know. You think, for example, AT&T fired 2,000 people ahead of Christmas. You call AT&T and most of the time you're connected to an overseas tech support person. Barely conversant in the English language. I have no problem with outsourcing tech support or setting up a place in the Philippines or India or something, you know. That's fine. As long as they are capable of doing the job. I mean, we can be concerned whether Americans are losing employment as a result. That's one factor. The other factor is competence.
1: Yeah, I'm more concerned with competence than native language. Um, You know, if if somebody can, can, can help me and they just happen to speak English as a second or third language, I don't really care. I just don't want to talk to somebody who is uh, reading off of a screen by rote and not actually capable of basic cognition in what I'm telling them. Um, and, and to be perfectly frank with you, I think Apple has been guilty of this. I, not not in terms of outsourcing its customer service overseas, but I think that Apple Care, specifically, at least my experience, and the experience of, of countless other people who I talked to, has really gone downhill over the last few years. Um, I, the, the, their first line uh, customer service agents are no longer as technically sophisticated with the products um, or, or intuitive uh, with the products as they used to be. It's really taken a sharp dip. And so many times, uh, you know, problems that could have been resolved more quickly um, and, and easier require you to uh, escalate the issue to a second tier um, technician or a supervisor. And I just I find that process so obnoxious. I really dislike that. I hope that um, in addition to building this new facility, Apple invests more in making those customer service agents more technically competent and also empowering them to uh, to, to help customers directly instead of passing the buck.
0: Peter Cohen, where can we find more of your stuff?
1: At That's peter com.
0: peter dash com. coming up next we'll have jeff gamut of the mac observer and we're going to really go after him for failing to keep up with this pop culture you betcha peter cohen thanks for joining us on the tech night out live it's always
1: a pleasure gene thank you very much
11: thank you for listening to gcn
21: People search the internet for everything, including you. With a few clicks, information from your past can be quickly discovered, from business deals gone wrong to misleading reviews, negative articles, and unflattering images. Studies show 78% of people search for someone online before doing business with them. Will they find the real you? That's 800-831-0771. 800-831-0771. Or visit reputationdefender.com. People are waking up. They're
22: standing up to those pushing pesticides and GMOs as safe alternatives for a starving world. What a bunch of crap! I tell you, I'd rather eat dirt. So, I drink Life Change Tea. It's an herbal drink, cleansing my body of toxic sludge and nasty chemicals, and of course, ridding the intruders that are hidden in my so-called food. And by the way, Life Change Tea is non-GMO and organic. No fillers, no yuck. Just a great defense against you-know-what. May the supplement force awaken you. Don't fall to the dark side. Oh, uh, sorry, <laughs> I went to the movies last night. Anyway, enough said. How do you get that herbal drink and change your life? GetTheTea.com. That's GetTheTea.com. You will awaken. You will get stronger. And you might even lose a bit of weight. So awaken to life-change tea and the many one-of-a-kind supplements at GetTheTea.com. That's GetTheTea.com. May the supplement force be with you.
6: What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to The Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg.
18: So my my favorite game today is how many times do I have to click the answer button in Skype before the call actually initiates? today, four. Only four? Yes. So so clearly, I'm getting better with assertive mouse button presses.
0: Well, remember here, this is a Microsoft product. But at the same token, by the way, there was a published report today that Microsoft has unified the code base among all its platforms for Office. Because this has happened a couple of times in the past, like back in the mid-1990s. Microsoft was really criticized because Office for the Mac was so Windows-like, and then Mm -hmm. they kept separate code bases. But now they're back to joint code bases, but the interface for the latest versions of Office for the Mac haven't changed. So, I don't know.
18: You know, on on one hand, the idea of a unified code base is nice because that makes it much more likely that we get feature parity across platforms. Uh, on the other hand, it also means that there's features that probably don't happen because if you start supporting platform-specific things, then you're breaking out of your unified code base. So It's a mixed bag.
0: Very mixed. In fact, so mixed that it's just become corned beef hash. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, but, you know, I still use Office occasionally. I mostly use Pages. But if I have to have something where people who use Office want pure Office compatibility, I use it. It also has real-time collaboration, one of the new features. That's good. In Outlook, Mm -hmm. this is kind of strange. They support Google Contacts and such, the Google Address Book, but still does not support Apple's Address Book. What's the heck with that?
18: My first guess would be that it has to do with storing your contacts in iCloud versus the Google kind of open web interface cloud thing that they do with, with content. And I'm totally just guessing here. I mean, it, it, there could be something else like like someone at Microsoft is just pissed off at Apple And so they've decided, well, we're just not going to
0: support their contacts. It's one reason why I don't use Outlook that much, because I don't want to have separate address books. I mean, there are other reasons, too, but that's one that bothers me. And I just think it's foolish. But then what do I know? You can always blame Apple. It's Apple's fault. It's always Apple's fault, isn't it?
18: Yeah. Well, in this case, we can say it's Apple's fault or we could say it's Microsoft's fault since we don't know the motivation for not supporting apple's contacts it's not like the contacts database that that apple has is some closed off thing because i have all kinds of other apps that that access it i mean for example i'm using cardhop instead of apple's contacts app on my mac same database just different app
0: accessing it i'm going to ask you something here's an article here from one of your colleagues Dave Hamilton. After 12 years of using Skype for our podcasts, we switched to Discord in November. The problem here that I see is with Skype, I can place regular phone calls. Can you do that with Discord?
18: You can't. He's not the only person that's made this transition to Discord. I, I use it every day for my daily observations podcast, and I'm loving it so no you can't place phone calls directly through discord but what you can do is send someone an invitation link and then uh it will open discord in a web browser so you don't need a phone at that point you can just use your computer's microphone and have the conversation that way so in in one sense it's a little bit limited compared to skype which makes sense because this started as a platform for online gamers, but they've put together the audio quality is so good that for for my daily show, I don't want to use Skype anymore. the The audio quality was degrading enough over time with with various Skype updates that listeners were, were sending me messages asking what was up with with the audio, and I switched to Discord. And it it was literally overnight. I have people sending me messages
0: thanking me for fixing the audio. You know, I'm going to try it and see if we can make it work. Now, with most of our guests, we're using Skype on all the radio shows.
18: It, It makes sense. Yeah, everyone has Skype.
0: So I'll see what happens. I have it here, and I'm going to download it, and I'm going to test it. And we'll check in our future shows. I assume it'll work with Audio hijack, same as this does, because it works with any app. And it's just picking up audio, so it should work. We'll check the sound quality. And there you go. Anything to get rid of Skype 8. Skype 8 is a very dumb interface, so it's good to know. Yeah, I'm calling it kindergarten Skype. Well, that is also reminiscent of the original Metro interface that Microsoft played with, which has persisted in some ways even in Windows 10. And I think yeah. that's a problem.
18: You know, there, there were some really great concepts in the Metro interface. It just didn't come together in a cohesive way, which, which is unfortunate. Because you know, if, if those really interesting elements that they had had taken off, uh, Windows would probably be a very different product today. In a good way. All right. Instead, we get kindergarten... Interface.
0: All right. Well, we'll try it. We'll see what happens over the next few weeks. And if I can make it a viable substitute for the most part, I sure as heck will, especially if they don't have to install an app, because there are actually people out there who can't get Skype to work properly. Generally, they're PC users, which is so funny because, as we know, Skype is a Microsoft product. Yeah, that is funny.
18: Um, yeah, the the, the the one thing people have to do, but it's the same thing if they're using Skype. You need to set up a free account. But uh, if you do the the thing where you're sending out a a invitation an invitation, when they click the link and it opens up in their web browser, they'll have the opportunity to create their free account.
0: And obviously, it might be good to try to claim the same name as you're using on Skype for consistency. Of course. Not that, the same password, do. but the same name while it develops, which is something I'll do. And now people are going to be looking and hope that happens. All right. Let us continue with other stuff. What is this thing here? And I want to get into Apple TV for different reasons. Apple TV 4K users won't be happy with Sony's Dolby Vision TV update. Now, I understand that Dolby Vision is one of the HDR features of 4K, Mm -hmm. you know? And there are two features, and this is one of them. Why would users of the Apple TV 4K not like it?
18: Uh, How about if I start by giving a shout out to John Martellaro, because he wrote the article and he has put so much effort into into understanding what's going on with with HDR and and the various formats, how it relates to Apple TV and and the various television products that are out there on the market. So without John, I would not be able to answer this question intelligently. So thank you to John. All right. So here's the deal: uh, the the television makers were betting initially on hdr 10 i believe as the the standard for um for hdr content um, uh, parsing and then dolby they changed the requirements for for dolby vision which is uh, another form of hdr so that it didn't require a special chip anymore and that means that televisions, many televisions that support firmware updates,
0: have the ability to add in Dolby Vision as an option. We are going to go into more of this in a moment and why you should care about HDR. We have Jeff Gamma to the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs>
6: Many medicines used to treat colds and flu contain acetaminophen, a pain reliever and fever reducer found in hundreds of over-the-counter and prescription medicines. But taking too much or more than one medication containing acetaminophen per day can damage your liver. So always read the label and don't take acetaminophen if you drink three or more alcoholic drinks every day. To learn more, visit FDA.gov slash OTC Pain Info. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Food and Drug Administration.
5: Why are we
9: getting killed like this? Kyle's not here. Got caught drinking beer in the park a couple of nights ago. Really? Yeah. Zero tolerance. He's out for the season. Harsh. Hey, he knew not to drink. We've made that clear to all of our kids, right? Uh, no, not really. Bill, if we don't tell them what we expect and why they shouldn't drink, how are they going to know? Talk. They hear you. Hear
18: you. You can do it if you try.
6: What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know.
0: Okay, so to recap, Dolby Vision normally requires a special dedicated chip on the hardware device, TV set, or streamer. But this mm-hmm. way, it's going to be done as a software update. It'll be possible to do it as a software update, which should be right. a good thing. But it
18: should be a good thing. But the problem is that that this whole thing with all the HDR formats is kind of a hot mess right now. And some of these updates that television manufacturers are rolling out don't have full support, meaning, like in the case of Sony, the apps that are built into the television, so Netflix and Amazon Prime, they have Dolby Vision support, but the hardware components do not. Meaning, if you take a Dolby Vision compatible or capable device, like an Apple TV 4K, and plug it in to a Sony television. That, that you've updated so it has Dolby Vision support, you're not going to get Dolby Vision. And that's because it's limited currently just to the apps on the television. From what John's been able to find out, it looks like that's not an intentional snub towards hardware components, but more an issue of just trying to get what they can out so they, they were able to to get the app side working, so they rolled that out, and now they're trying to get the, the hardware interface component working so that devices like an Apple TV 4K can actually get their whole Dolby Vision thing going. So for now, you do the update and you plug in an external device that has Dolby Vision support, and you still don't get Dolby Vision. So that's going to leave people unhappy, frustrated, and probably confused because they won't understand why, after doing this firmware update, they don't have a TV that's doing what they expected.
0: Now, in all fairness, the set I have, the Vizio M series, has HDR10 and Dolby Vision included in the set, not requiring a firmware update. There are built-in apps which is a subset of what you get with Google Chromecast that's its technique for smart TV it's using Google Chromecast and the rest you can cast those apps from an iPhone mm-hmm. or an Android phone the only thing is here is i just wonder how all this works i'll have to ask Vizio support to explain that to me it is confusing
18: also ask them which ports you need to use on your television for the Dolby Vision support. It's port
0: one on this.
18: Yeah, and so that's the thing. How are you supposed to know? Uh, In your case, you probably found the information online or, or one of their tech people told you. Sometimes it's HDMI port two. So it's confusing stuff for the average user.
0: And the thing is here, the port that supports it also has an option in the picture settings to turn on... HDR. It's not necessary if you're just picking up the regular signal that's being scaled up from your cable TV or satellite provider. It's only if you have a native 4K content coming in there, but since there's a separate input for the smart TV, that doesn't apply. It should normally pick it up. But I do see if I'm getting content from Amazon or Netflix, it shows you if the movie or TV show you're watching has HDR in addition to the 4K. So I do see, for example, Travelers. I don't know if you've heard of that show. Oh, yes. Now, just to tell you, it stars Eric McCormick, Will and Grace, believe it or not, but here he plays an FBI agent whose body is taken over by Travelers from the future. And there's a whole bunch of people who are here to prevent the world of the future from self-destructing. They're here to change the past. And it's just a great show. It's produced and created by Brad Wright, who did Stargate SG-1. And you see some of the people from Stargate SG-1, by the way, like Amanda Tapping. Mm -hmm. She's also directed several of the episodes. She's mostly directs now, but she does play, I think, a psychiatrist here. You see Enrico Colantani, the Toronto actor who was in Flashpoint, Person of Interest, and in Galaxy Quest where he plays this alien Bathazar, Yeah. He is just a wonderful yeah. actor, because even when he plays the villain, as he does in Travelers, you like him.
18: I have enjoyed, I think, every character I've seen him
0: play. Good guy or bad guy. He's, he's just wonderful. And by the way, there is also an interesting show coming on. We're, we're drifting into this, but I want to. Counterpart. Heard of it on Stars? yes i'm looking forward to that that's jk simmons the farmer's mm-hmm. guy now jk Simmons is an oscar-winning actor he played a psychiatrist on law and order he played on the closer with kira sedgwick he played like a police chief he played j jonah jameson in mm-hmm. the first three spider-mans with a special widow's peak hair piece because he's bald and he just played it brilliantly he also was in a movie called Whiplash. I think that's where he won his Oscar. Also, in Justice League, he played Commissioner Gordon. Yes. I mean, this guy can do anything. And when you see him interview, he's just a nice guy. But here he plays two versions of the same guy from different realities or dimensions. It's a sci fi show. Yeah, it just sounds really intriguing. And as they say, this is one of the treasures among actors there are some actors here who are beyond emmys who are beyond oscars they're just so good in anything they do and he's one of them another one is on blacklist james spader Mm -hmm. who's like that he's just this amazing actor who can just chew the scenery and this past week by the way i'm blacklist his nemesis was nathan lane the broadway star Who's just oh, yes. the same kind of actor, who can, who's beyond Oscars and beyond Emmys. He's just amazingly brilliant.
18: He is. I actually, I love everything I've seen Nathan Lane do, whether it's on the, the big screen or on the stage. He's just fantastic.
0: And I was going to attack here, Jeff, for not keeping up with the pop culture. And the reason we're bringing up TV is we were talking about Apple TV. And I'll tell you a few things in a moment, but we wanted to catch up on this very much that you have this group of actors. They're character actors. They often play supporting roles. They're not always in lead roles. But what they do is they make the movie or the TV show work because they're so good they can play anything. James Mm -hmm. Remar is an actor like that. He plays villains. He plays policemen. In the new Black Lightning superhero show on DC, he plays the superhero's pal kind of like his alfred in the sense that uh, he helps him out mm-hmm. and this is another great great actor he was dexter's father remember that oh yes and he was been on ncis los angeles that's another one of those actors who is hero villain and is, just isn't amazing he, isn't
18: he the actor that was the lead in millennium or, or am I mixing him up with someone else? I mean, I know I'm going way back because we're, we're talking
0: late 1990s at this point. That was by the producers of X-Files, right? Yes. No, I'm, I know who you're talking about. And I can't think of the actor Lance Henriksen. Oh, okay. Okay. Lance Hendrickson was the actor there. All right. And he's a lot older. James Remar is a guy in his 60s. Lance Henriksen is currently 77. Yeah, well, okay. Which totally makes sense because he was doing stuff earlier. There you go. As we get into this kind of intricate stuff, I want to go back to that and also Apple's TV thing in a moment. But we talk about Apple TV and the support for Dolby Vision and all the hangups out there. But in Travelers, because I see it in HDR... Everything is so much brighter. It's not just the 4K. It's you're seeing the colors are richer.
18: Yeah, you have a better uh, dynamic range for your colors, hence HDR, high dynamic range.
0: It looks just great. And the point is also, vizio has really integrated Chromecast very well into their TV. And I mm-hmm. want to get into that because there are issues here we want to talk about. And there was an article at TechHive that kind of started me on this journey, which is that more and more TV sets are not just putting in their own crappy smart TV features. They're going to Google for Chromecast. They're going to Amazon for Fire TV. They're going to Roku. Some of the best sets out there, mid or lower price, like TCL TV sets, are Roku sets. They use the Roku interface just like the separate box. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, The manufacturer doesn't have to come up with its own software. They can just license platforms that all are decent. Chromecast is decent. It may not be as good or as flexible or elegant as Apple TV, but it's decent. It's usable. Roku is certainly a good interface. Amazon I haven't used. I don't know. Amazon's is okay. Okay, so it's okay. Let's get into more of this in the next segment of the Tech Night Owl Live.
2: Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Classic science fiction at its best. Available now. For more details, visit Rockoids.com. That's
16: R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com.
13: Welcome back to Get Night Out Live, where you never know what's going
10: to happen next. And now, it's Uncle Gene.
7: Yeah, it's him.
0: Obviously, even Amazon, whatever it is, is better than what most TV makers are providing. But what that means Uh, is you can buy a relatively new set with one of those interfaces. And unless you are married to Apple's ecosystem, you have iTunes content like movies that you want to watch. Of course, you can use movies anywhere. I think the need for a separate box is lessening a lot. I mean, from the time I set up this video set and the only streaming content I look at is basically Netflix with a smattering of Amazon. That's it. Mm -hmm. Everything else is basic cable or the regular broadcast stations. I have not touched my Apple TV in, what, four or five weeks now since I set up this TV set. I'm probably going to sell my Apple TV on eBay. I have no need for it anymore. I'm not, obviously, your typical buyer. Some people might like Apple TV. You have an investment in iTunes content. Maybe you even like the games. I don't know. But... Mm -hmm. I think Apple is missing the boat here in not striking deals with the TV makers to embed Apple TV in the same way that Roku embeds Roku. And you say, well, Apple doesn't do that. What about CarPlay? CarPlay lets Mm -hmm. you cast your iPhone, a subset of the apps, to your car's infotainment system. For most cars, it requires a wired connection with your iPhone. A few cars, mostly expensive ones, you can do it wirelessly, and that's going to spread. There are some third-party companies like Pioneer who make aftermarket infotainment systems for cars where they have Apple TV. If Apple can do that with automakers, why can't they do that with TV makers?
18: Okay, so
0: with CarPlay, a lot of what's happening
18: for the just the whole interface processing thing your iphone is the computer that's driving a lot of that and so my guess is that that even if apple felt more open about uh, about loading up the apple tv experience onto a television as an app just you know like amazon and netflix are doing with, with smart tvs I think there would be another problem there, which which is that the code is very tightly integrated with the the custom hardware that Apple has. So uh, specifically, an Apple TV runs on an A8 processor, I believe, regardless of which number it is. It's an iPhone processor. So for Apple, I think this would be a situation where they'd have to recode their system from scratch or start bundling with televisions at least a partial Apple TV board that has the right processors to handle the code. My guess is Apple's not interested in that. Why, why should they be? Because it sure looks like they're not interested in opening up Apple TV to be another app on smart televisions. A- Apple seems quite content to keep it as a standalone
0: box. Now, it may be that Apple would have to embed some kind of circuit board or circuitry instead of developing like a cross platform version of its software. And I understand the issues and the constraints. I still think that for mid to high end TV sets, it would be worth the expense to say, now with Apple TV, I think that would sell more sets.
18: You know, if you could buy a television that had built in Amazon Prime, Netflix, and Apple TV support, that would be like the the trifecta of television right there, because between those three, you can get pretty much any content you want, and and it would be kind of cool to not have all the extra cables and boxes sitting around, so... Yeah, I can totally see that the appeal in that, that, even though it's just not going to happen because that's how Apple rolls.
0: Yeah, I think it's a mistake because I think it's going to become more and more difficult for them as the other companies embed their software or hardware on TV sets, more and more difficult as people buy newer sets to make a case for Apple TV. Again, if you're not invest in the ecosystem, and even then, movies anywhere. Do you ever try that? Yeah. Okay, so I can access my content that way. All right. I don't here's know another what do I need idea. Apple TV for. I can't find a case for it. Well, you
18: may find a case for it in in the next like three years when Apple's original content starts rolling out, because right now they're in the phase where they're they're making the deals so that they can they can get into the production phase so realistically i think we're looking at 18 months 24 months even longer before we start seeing these these shows roll out when they do maybe you'll be more interested in in apple tv which uh, brings me to to an idea that i just came up with which is what if instead of making all of apple tv an app in smart tvs making apple music an app in smart TVs. And then that way you can get your content through Apple music, the the new TV shows and streaming music without needing an Apple TV. And, uh, and yes, that would cut into Apple TV sales. But I think the, the bigger moneymaker for Apple isn't the little black box. It's all the content they're selling for the little black box. So, in that in that sense, you know, getting this content on a lot more devices would be uh, a,
0: a pretty cool thing. I don't know what's going to happen next, folks. But as I said, I just think I want to see Apple's end game here. What are they going to do? Are you going to buy an Apple TV because Apple has a couple of new TV shows on there? Would you buy an Apple TV to see the reboot? of Amazing Stories or this new show from Ronald D. Moore, is that worth the price of an Apple TV if that's what it requires? For some people, yes. For, for other people, no, of course not.
18: But maybe for some of those people, the fact that, that you can also have Netflix and Amazon Prime on an Apple TV plus Hulu, that, that might make the box enticing, even even with the apps built into your television.
0: Well, again, if it's just for a few shows, maybe not. But then look at it this way. Originally, I had heard that Apple had planned to have its own streaming service with the Apple TV as the hub of it. Mm -hmm. That didn't come to pass. So maybe they're doing an end run around it. But here's the problem. There are so many good shows out there. And let's just say that Apple's new service or new TV programs, the best of the breed, they're spending a lot of money on them getting great shows, they're going to be qualifying for Emmys and everything. You have a few shows worth watching. Do you subscribe to a host service or buy a hardware product for it? Look, for example, at CBS All Access. Right Mm -hmm. now, for the most part, and it has CBS content and then a Good Wife spinoff, it's all about Star Trek Discovery. Do you want to spend 5.99 or 9.99 which is I think the version without commercials? Mm-hmm. Do you want to spend that money for one, show,
17: A- A- one show
0: every week so it's going to be what? 15 20 episodes of Star Trek Discovery you watch it every week or maybe you can just subscribe to the service and binge watch I don't know mm-hmm. how it's going to work. Is it worth one show? I don't think for, so. Yeah, for me the answer is no. I, I haven't watched Star
18: Trek Discovery. Actually, I was thinking about that earlier today. This is the only Star Trek series that I have not watched. I'm very interested in it, but I have no interest in paying for another service. And I, I, I've i played with CBS All Access before. I just didn't like it. And it just feels like the show is being held hostage And I'm not going to pay the ransom. So for now, even though I'd love to watch Star Trek Discovery, I haven't seen it.
0: And this, as I said, is also the same statement. I saw the first episode, which premiered on the CBS Broadcast Network, and then went to all access. And I find that's unfortunate because I want to see the show. But more to come. I'm the Tech Night Out Live.
14: Call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-667-9035. 800-667-9035. That's 800-667-9035.
12: This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands, and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement, and I'm telling you, There's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com.
8: Hey folks, Tom D. for paranormaldate.com. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com. That's ParanormalDate.com. Use the code word George and start meeting others. Get
4: going now and connect with someone you like.
10: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at techniteowl.com. That's news at technightowl If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum That's forum dot We're talking here about
0: forcing you to subscribe to a separate streaming service for one show like cbs all access the same may be true of course to hbo and showtime or any of these premium services like for example i would have to have stars to see the new show with jk simmons i want Mm -hmm. to see ray donovan i have to have showtime i don't know what's on hbo anymore i never got into game of thrones that's hbo right so westworld Westworld, maybe. But is it worth spending $10, $15 a month for whatever to subscribe to a premium service for one or two shows? Now, Netflix is more than that. Netflix is half dozen or eight or nine shows that I like to watch. The ones from Marvel, Daredevil, Luke Cage, mm-hmm. Iron Fist, Jessica Jones, Defenders, House of Cards, final season, maybe Travelers, Stranger Things. It's worth it. Plus, occasionally you get to see a movie on there you didn't expect, like Doctor Strange was released on there on Netflix only, I think, half a year after it premiered in the movie theaters. I like the movie. But you get gems like that. It's worth it. But one or two shows. I'm having a really hard
18: time with the one or two show show thing for subscription. And something like HBO, while you can pay for it as a monthly subscription independently of everything else, a lot of people are getting that as part of their cable package. And they may be using an HBO streaming app on their television for, for on-demand content. The thing is, they have options. And that's not the case with CBS All Access. It's It's a subscription and that's it. And if you don't pay for that extra subscription, you just miss out. And I have a feeling there's, there's a lot of people, even though Star Trek Discovery is, is proving to be a very popular show, there's a lot of people that are happy to just miss out because they don't want to pay that money. Or they're finding places online where they can pirate the shows and watch them for free.
0: And they may go under the theory that eventually it'll turn up on broadcast TV. You know, not yeah. originally, but maybe two, three years down the pike, you'll get to see it. Because that gives them an extra revenue stream. If you want to see the new shows or the shows from the previous year, you have to subscribe. But if you wait three years, you can watch the repeats. And then there's another revenue stream because CBS licenses that content. The problem we have here is that streaming services will become too ubiquitous. There'll be too many of them. Hulu's got exclusive content too, but most of it is off-network fare. Eventually, and we may have reached that point already, there'll be too many to subscribe to. Because the reason you do this, like have Netflix and maybe broadcast TV, is you want to cut the cable cord. You don't want to pay the increase in price from the cable or satellite system every year. You Mm -hmm. want to save money. You can't afford paying $100 a month. Maybe I can do it for 20 or 30. Already, the cable companies have you know basic packages. the satellite companies, they have Sling TV and DirecTV now, where you get a subset of their content for what 40, 50 dollars, something like that. It's all streaming, which means you run up against your ISP's bandwidth limit. But that's another way for them to try to attract cord cutters, give you an alternative like that. Maybe you live in a home where you can't get the satellite as I do. I'm locked into Cox because I don't live anywhere in this apartment where they would let me hook up a satellite dish. The only place where I can do it is on the patio, which points in the wrong direction. Yeah. So I'm stuck. So originally we thought, well, we'll get rid of the cable thing and you can also buy a DVR for broadcast TV and then you get the streaming and you mix it up, you know, for $20 a month. Netflix plus maybe one other service. And then you have your broadcast TV, which is free. You get all the TV you need. And you spend, what, a few hundred dollars? You buy one of these DVRs or a TiVo or something. And you can record the shows you want. You can time shift. And that's it. You can live with that. Or get basic cheapest cable. But if it's $10 here and $10 here and $15 here, and you're being nickel and dimed, To death, eventually something's got to give. But you don't have the time to see all those shows. You know, I asked you, Jeff, about the superhero shows on CWTV. You got real life. You don't have time to watch everything. What I was thinking was
18: somewhere between Thanksgiving and New Year's, so before CES, I'd have time to sit down and just really, really, crank through a lot of shows as it turns out no i didn't i was able to watch a couple episodes of season two of ha it's funny i just forgot the name of the sci-fi show it's the one where the people's memories were all erased they have to figure out who they are as, as the series goes on dark matter and a couple episodes of american gods and that's it I didn't get time to watch any more Flash, any more Supergirl, and I I still haven't bothered to make the time to watch Justice League. That that one's actually kind of low on my list, considering how DC's handled their their big screen movies lately. But yeah, I just haven't had time.
0: And you know, if you look at Supergirl, all the things she was beaten to a pulp by the World Killer Rain this year, and if you look at the plot lines. They've got one where Laurie Metcalf plays Winshot's mother. And the episode's called Shot Through the Heart. hmm You know, it, some really interesting shows are coming there, but you don't have time to see them. No, and I'll
18: catch up eventually. Actually, I'm glad that The Expanse Season 2 still isn't available as Amazon Prime streaming because that, that saves me one more show at least for now. So it frees up a little bit of viewing time.
0: Yeah, well, there we go. All these shows, no one has time to watch. And I'm sitting here with my DVR and I have, like I said, basic cable and everything and not a lot of frills and Netflix. I got to save money. And I do this just for sanity. And I look at the DVR and guess what? There's still half a dozen shows I haven't watched.
18: Yeah, uh, back when I had my, my Comcast... TV subscription, my TiVo was full all the time of shows that I wanted to watch, but just couldn't get to.
0: Well, I'll tell you this. I've done one thing which is smart. I've cut out a number of shows that I was watching because I have no time to see them again, like Criminal Minds. Of course, we know Criminal Minds where you have FBI profilers looking after the serial killer of the week show. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the FBI profilers. The shows have become so repetitive that I lose track of who the villain is because it's just variations on a theme. You get some wacky guy or some wacky woman, and they were completely traumatized as children. So they become villains. More to come. Not about villains. With Gene and Jeff on the Tech Night Out Live.
7: (laughs)
11: for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit gcnlive.com today.
17: Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I'm here to tell you about gcntelecare.com, a team of board-certified doctors assisting you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.
20: Aging is one thing that affects everyone. George has talked about the power of stem cells for years. Now, there's a new serum that harnesses that stem cell power to bring back your youthful look. Beverly Hills doctor, Nathan
0: Newman. Stem cells are basically our fountain of youth. This is
6: what maintains our body's reparative, regenerative abilities. As we age, every cell breaks down and has to be replaced, and what replaces it is the stem cell.
20: Dr. Newman and Jeunesse have developed Luminess. Luminess. Luminesse takes the science of stem cells using the same growth factor complex that literally heals our cells, slowing the appearance of the aging process. Apply Luminesse twice daily and on average, see results in a week. Learn more, watch our video and order today at a special Coast website, HealthyLooking.com Plus, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, that's HealthyLooking.com. luminous for a healthier, much younger,
6: better-looking you. Buy now at HealthyLooking.com. Don't become dependent on the medical system get and stay healthy naturally with extendivite metals in the liver cause peroxides to get dumped into the bloodstream Peroxides do more damage than free radicals to the arteries, and the LDL has no protection from peroxides, causing the LDL to get stuck in the arteries, creating a potential blockage. Extendivite slowly chelates the metals away from the liver so it can dispose of what was meant to be a harmless process, peroxide. Extendivite's seven herbs has a job to strengthen the organs and circulatory highway. Can you afford a heart attack? Extendivite is available in capsule or liquid form for just $69 for a two-month supply. To get started, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with
23: Extendo. Here's a special message for those of you who owe the IRS at least 10000 or more in back taxes. The IRS has special programs in place that could eliminate or reduce your tax debt by thousands of dollars. Call the Federal Tax Management Helpline that has been set up for you, 800-503-8625. Stop the wage garnishments, levies, and tax liens now. Once you've qualified and enrolled, the IRS will stop all the collection activities against you. These unique programs have been allocated to help the economy and significantly Reduce or eliminate your tax burden. The IRS is currently accepting reduced settlements and other favorable programs. You may qualify for substantial savings, so get the help you need. If you owe more than 10,000 in taxes, call for free information and to see if you qualify. Take down the number now for the Federal Tax Management Hotline, 800-503-8625. That's 800-503-8625. 800-503-8625.
6: What are you listening to? The Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know.
0: So I cut out Criminal Minds. Don't watch it anymore. Mm-hmm. I cut out NCIS. Because it's the same thing. They've changed the cast, but the villains are all the same. You know, it's some naval or a marine or naval officer is shot, and then they find the villain, and then they capture and the villain, and they then they the interrogate conspiracy. the villain, and then you get a couple of dry quips from Agent Gibbs, and it's the next week's episode.
1: Yeah, this
18: is why I stopped watching all the the criminal procedural dramas. Because they 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 were all the same and the plots were cookie cutter and the the last one that I watched and it was several years ago. I don't even remember what show it was. It may have been Criminal Minds. I was predicting the dialogue before they were saying it. And and so I was saying out loud what I expected them to say, and that's pretty much what they was what they would say. And everyone that's sitting with me finally told me I just had to shut up because I was annoying. And they're right, I was. But yeah, that that's when I decided I was done with the procedural criminal dramas. So I don't blame you for cutting some out because they they all become the same after a while.
0: You see, part of the thing is here is they don't know when to end the show. I mean, there's a point where. They run out of ideas. It was the old phrase from Happy Days, Jump the Shark. When they had, what's his name? When Fonzie jumped the shark, literally, you knew the show ran out of ideas. And when you have a TV show on for 15 or 18 years, what could they do? Now, with Law & Order SVU, what they've done is make it more personal, more about the personal lives of the officers. And that has given the show, I think, some degree of life, so I think it still works after a fashion. But the other shows were just the same thing every week, and I think what has to happen here is stop the money train, don't run the thing into the ground, stop and say, creatively, is it worth doing this show? Sometimes they change cast members, like Hawaii Five O, the two Korean actors left the show because they wouldn't get wage parity mm-hmm. with the other guys. All right? Of course, was it Grace Park from Battlestar Galactica, Daniel Day Kim from Lost? They left the show, and that makes sense. But it also gave the show a new lease on life. So the ratings are higher this year. I think it's its eighth season. This is a reboot, by the way. Remember, there was a Hawaii 5 back in the... 60s and And 70s, yes. And it went on for like 10, 12 years. Eventually, you have to say, that's enough. It's time to retire the show, quit while you're ahead, and go home and count your money. That's it. But they're going to continue those shows until they're dead. Or the actors are all dead, and that's it. Well, that's the difference between U.S.
18: television series and British television series. The British series, the the producers, they know when to end something, and, and they'll actually end it before they need to. And so when, it, when a show wraps up, it's it, it ends while it's still fresh. You're left wanting more as opposed to where we are now wondering, how are they possibly going to breathe new life into this series that's older than some countries?
0: Doctor Who is the exception. But Doctor Who's game is... Every two or three years, there's a new Doctor Who. And right. that gives the show a new dynamic because you have a new character with a different personality. And this year coming up, we have Jodie Whittaker, the first female Doctor Who. Certainly, she will change the dynamic big time. Yes, I am so looking forward to this season.
18: I, I just have a feeling. You know, th- this they're, they're also changing out writers and, and producers and The the team that they have going into the new season, I'm just really excited. I have a feeling it's going to take a show that's been strong for many years and give it a fresh new look that makes it even stronger than it was.
0: Now, I'm also wondering what CWTV is going to do about Arrow, because that's starting to get a little wearing on you. And this year, they're emphasizing the original team, Team Arrow. And maybe that's going to change things. But even superhero shows, of course, in the comic books, they always revitalize it with new plot lines. That's how they work it. Obviously, all these shows are influenced by the comics, and they follow it. Obviously, Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, and Supergirl are still in their formative stages. So they have, a you know, two, three years to go. Arrow, I don't know. As I said, it's a little, you know, getting a little wearing on me. Where are they going to take Oliver Queen next? Yeah.
18: Interestingly enough, I, for as hard as I've tried, I was never able to really get into Arrow. Yeah, I'd be okay if they chose to wrap it up. I I would hate to see a show that so many people enjoy, even though I'm not into it. I I would hate to see that show get just run through some sort of recycling system where it just becomes... uh, kind of like a cookie cutter episode of the week thing where everyone
0: knows what's going to happen before it actually happens. Well, surprises help. The show rose a 10th in the ratings this week. So that was good. Okay, and that's good. Then we have Black Lightning, which is more inner city type of show. We don't know if it's part of the same universe, the so-called Arrowverse, the Supergirl universe or the Green Arrow universe. But Black Lightning shows the inner city and the conflicts of a former superhero who's a high school principal. And he has two teenage girls and an ex-wife, and he's forced into becoming a superhero again because the neighborhood is turning bad and you've got drug dealers. In a way, I think that's kind of like Luke Cage, the DC Comics version, except he has a superpower, not just being strong and impervious to harm, but he has this lightning or electricity power.
18: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, this could be a really interesting path for DC to go down because they they've really stuck with their traditional costumed hero uh, thing for a while. So, taking a path that that has more of a Luke Cage feel. That seems like like, uh, a pretty clever idea and has a lot of potential.
0: So I'm hoping Black Lightning turns out to be a a really good series. The ratings were almost identical to Flash the first week. That's premiere week. It's always going to go down after that. But you're talking here about a performer who is not 26. You know, like The Flash is 26, 27, and Supergirl is 26, 27, and Legends of Tomorrow are, you know, various ages. But here you're talking about a guy who's in his 40s, and is coming back. You almost think of, for example, in Justice League and Batman v. Superman, you have a Batman who has been doing it for 20 years, and you have the older person with the wisdom or the frustration. Uh, Certainly more seasoned. A certainly more seasoned Batman, whether you like Ben Affleck or not. Did you see Justice League? No, I have not seen it yet. And uh, the reason
18: I haven't is because my expectations for it are very low. And so I figured I'll wait until I can rent it on um, uh, Amazon Prime or, or Apple TV, and then I'll watch it. So I haven't bothered to check in the last couple of weeks to see if it's rentable yet.
13: It
0: will be released digitally next month. It'll be oh, that's released why it's not on- rentable yet. Right. That, that won't make it rentable. It'll be rentable after the DVD, the Blu-ray or the 4K Ultra HD DVD goes on sale. Then it's going to be rentable at that point. So probably by March, you'll be able to rent the movie. And then get a sense of it to see what happens. Now, in the DVD version, the only additional thing would be an expanded Superman rebirth scene. They're not going to have like an alternate cut or anything like that because it was rather, because it was, you know, it was two directors basically. It got pretty complicated. We have one more segment of complications on the Tech Night Owl Live. <laughs>
11: For listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNLive.com today.
0: As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low cost plans put your sites on high performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer?
19: Fully cooked, ready-to-eat bacon. I'm talking thick, meaty, center-cut, presidential bacon. Savory and delicious. I buy some, I use some, I store some awesome no refrigeration needed with a 10-year shelf life nasa pack technology bacon fully cooked fully hydrated ready to eat right from the pack bacon or warm and served life-saving ready-to-eat bacon 10-year shelf life bacon ships free at fullycookedbacon.com fullycookedbacon.com
5: message and data rates may apply Oh my gosh, that's Frank Thomas. No. Yes, that's him. Go ahead. Excuse me, are you Frank Thomas?
13: Yes, I am.
5: I bet you get recognized a lot.
13: I was a pretty good ball player. You were? Some people thought so.
5: Sorry, we recognize you from those Nugenics
13: commercials. Oh yeah? That's great.
5: So does Nugenics really work?
13: Oh yeah, I really can feel the difference. My workouts are better and I feel a lot more energetic. I wish my husband would use Nugenics. It's so easy to get started. All you have to do is send one simple text. Text the word PRIME44 to 425. 424 for a complimentary bottle of award-winning Nugenics, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC. Its unique man-boosting formula is powered by testophen, a patented key ingredient clinically researched to help a man feel stronger, leaner, more energetic, and more passionate. And you're going to like the difference, too. Text PRIME44 to 42424 for a complimentary bottle of Nugenics. Samples are not available in stores. Text PRIME44 to 42424. Hear that?
6: You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next.
0: Final discussion and let's go back to Apple and okay. what's doing about the tax cut.
18: Yeah. So we know Apple is going to be bringing a lot of money back into the country. As uh, as I recall, it's like about two hundred and twenty five billion dollars. And Apple announced that they're doing this, and at the same time, they announced all these other programs that are happening. So we so we have the uh, bonuses that employees are are getting. We have the charitable matching that the, that they're going to do. We have the new headquarters facility so uh, a second headquarters facility that's going to be built somewhere you know and just on and on down the line when i look at what apple announced it feels to me that like a lot of this was about the timing of the announcement not so much the money coming back in the country because apple has the money to do all these things that they announced they're going to do, and I, and I think that the timing works out because it, it gives Apple the opportunity to talk about this other money they're bringing in, talk about the jobs that they're going to be creating within Apple and in a you know as a satellite thing around Apple, all these other jobs that that crop up simply because Apple's doing something. It, it feels to a degree like like this was. Well, everything is a calculated move with Apple, but but this was a very calculated announcement that helps bolster Apple's image and puts Apple in a position where if they need some political favors at some point, they've just kind of lined that up right now by by letting the Republican Party take a little bit of credit for something that they were already planning on doing. Apple isn't the kind of company that on a whim because they they hear about a, a tax bill that favors them happening, decides, hey, let's build a new headquarters. These are the types of things Apple's been planning for a really long time. And what they're really going to do with the money that comes back into the country is buy back shares and pay out dividends to shareholders. That's my hypothesis about how all this is going to play
0: out. This, by the way, is what happened the last time money was repatriated back like 2005. Mm -hmm. where companies brought back their overseas money for a much lower tax rate, much lower than this one, I think, was in the single digits. This one is 15.5%. And then that's all they did. They didn't add jobs. This time, there will be some. But even then, they kind of couch it, like I mentioned with Peter before. So we have Walmart increases the wages to a minimum of $11 an hour, which matches or comes close to matching the minimum wage in some states. So it's not as great as you think it is. And they closed 63 Sam's Club warehouse stores. So several Mm -hmm. thousand people lost their jobs with practically no notice. So, you know, you giveth and taketh away. AT&T had that $1,000 bonus and then fired 2,000 people. So a lot of these companies, what they're doing, as with Apple, is making this announcement now to be on the good side of the administration, but also for PR. Purposes. Look how wonderful we are. Look what we're doing. And as you mm-hmm. say, a lot of the money will go to stock buybacks. Yeah, now this doesn't make Apple a
18: bad company. This is just how business works. They're, they're a corporation, they have a, a legal responsibility to the shareholders. And by couching everything that they're doing now in the way that they did, that's going to, in the long run, Boost Apple's value, and that turns into more profit for shareholders. And that's exactly what Apple's supposed to do. I mean, they're they're a corporation that has shareholders. They need to make money for their shareholders. They're not your friend. No, I mean there's a lot of nice people that work at Apple. They do a lot of cool things, and they make products that a lot of people really like. But Apple's not your friend. No company out there is really your friend. Even if they are, they're doing something that's incredibly helpful to you, it's, it's a company. And it's a business. And businesses have to be run like businesses.
0: You have no choice there. That's how you stay in business. That's how Apple produces the products you like. It's to make a profit. And that's how you attract investors. You attract investors by giving them dividends. Which Apple didn't do before until after Tim Cook took over. When the stock was really going up, you give benefits to shareholders so they invest in the company. And we hope everybody's happy. So we're not demonizing yep. them. It's just what it is. And that's Yep, what it there is. you go. In the meantime, before we let you go, I'm going to ask a question. Do you think this year Apple is going to produce a brand new Mac Mini? No, I don't.
18: I, I don't have any insider information to support that, but I'm having a really hard time believing that a new Mac Mini is coming. Even though Apple has said, yes, it's an important part of our lineup, well, they certainly haven't done anything for a long time to back that up. So, if it happens, I'll be pleasantly surprised. If it doesn't, it, it will be just as I expect. Well, maybe a small refresh. You know, if we get a small refresh to the Mac Mini, it's going to be along the lines of the refresh that we got years ago before we had the, the trash can, you know, the, the tube-style Mac Pro. We had the cheese grater-style, and they got processor upgrades. And it wasn't because Apple was ready to give them a processor upgrade specifically. It's because Intel quit making the chips they were using for, for the processors. They were that old. So they had to put a new chip in, in the computer. So I could see something like that happening with the Mac Mini.
0: Well, I can't see where it would cost Apple that much to throw new processors in there, new options for SSD, standard Fusion Drive, something like that. They can do it. Of course they can. Uh, But keep in mind, they sold a display
18: years after it was horribly outdated compared to the competition, and they didn't update it. They just continued to sell it because people were buying it, and that you know it was it just was this old overpriced display, regardless of how beautiful the screen was. And I think the Mac Mini right now is in that same place where people will still buy it, and it doesn't matter if Apple has done an update. So why bother because it's it's not a primary focus for them in the Mac lineup.
0: I would think if the chip is so old that it's difficult to get, they'd be forced to release a new one there.
18: Yeah, I, I can see that happening. But it, it won't be an update where, where Apple has decided it's time to do a, a redesign of the Mac Mini. Although I would love to be wrong on this because the Mac Mini is such a, a versatile computer and it's such a great device to get people into the, the Apple desktop community.
0: I kind of think there will be. I'm maybe just more optimistic or pie in the sky. I think there's going to be a Mac Mini change. It'll be somewhat more significant than what you expect. But let's I hope you're right. Jeff Gammett, please tell our listeners where we can find more of
18: your stuff. Well, sure. I'm over at MacObserver.com, along with a lot of other amazing writers, and I'm on Twitter. I'm at Jay Gamet. and I'm on a bunch of podcasts. I, I mentioned the one that I do daily earlier in the show, Mac Observer's Daily Observations. So, thanks for having me on.
0: We're going to try Discord soon on the Tech Night Owl Live, or possibly the Powercast. You never know. You can find us, by the way, on Twitter as Tech Night Owl. You can also find Me on Facebook, look for the guy in the red plaid shirt. That's Gene Steinberg. That's me. We have a second radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. And we've got some cutting-edge thinkers on the mystery of the flying saucers or UFOs. Don Ecker and Greg Bishop. Look them up on Google. They know what they're talking about. Go to Paracast.com, Paracast.com. We also offer a special version of this show where you can really support us. It's called Tech Night Owl Plus. We give you a version of the show free of the network ads, so they won't complain about us on iTunes. With better quality audio, and maybe it'll be better even than it is now with Discord. We'll check it out. Go to plus.technightowl.com, plus.technightowl.com. A special thank you to Jeff Gamet for coming on the Tech Night Owl Live Thank you for having me on. It's always
18: fun.
15: The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.